I don't know about you, I really like watching kind of like adventure programs. I like, um, like it's just been comic relief. I love, uh, I love the program about the team that climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And I love that moment when they get to the top and it's like celebration. I like watching um, things like the Olympics and the London Marathon. And I like watching people as they cross the line, as they finish the race and they're celebrating. When I, um, when I used to work in prison, I used to imagine what that moment would be like if I'd been in prison for years and years and years. And that day that I got released, how incredible that would feel. And then I began to understand that actually it's often for those guys a, a sense of fear um, and, and um, worry about what is going to happen next. But I love that moment of, of seeing people reach the end of a project, the end of a race, the end of a challenge. And I watch things like that and think, I want that. I want that moment. I don't want to go through what they went through to get there, but I want that moment, that moment of celebration and relief at the end of a long project. And, you know, I, um, I've talked a little bit and shared a little bit about me um, doing a little bit of running. I've let that slip in the last few weeks. I actually went for a run tonight because what I want to speak to, speak about, is about running. And I felt guilty this afternoon prepping it and going through it. I thought, I better go for a run. So I went for a run for the first time in about six weeks and I am feeling it. I'm already out of breath just walking up and down here. Um, I'm struggling a little bit. But, you know, that sense of when I run, when I run, all I'm thinking about is getting back home. I'm thinking about that moment when I finish the run that I've been on, when I, when I complete that short 5K run that I've committed to and I get back to my front door and I vomit in a bush and I feel better and I get a shower and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. I get that, the, the endorphins that are released after a run. And, you know, um, the, the New Testament talks loads about running. It talks loads about running a race. And I want to share a couple of verses with you. Um, it's in 1 Corinthians, the first one we're going to look at, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. It says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you might win. The next one is in Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which it so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the next one in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. And then the final one is in Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I want to talk tonight about finishing the race. You know, the aim for us as Christians, the aim if we are living for Jesus, the aim for us is to get to the arms of Jesus and take as many people with us. That's the end goal. That's the end of our race when we fall into the arms of Jesus and we've taken as many people with us as possible. That's the finish race. So we take the next step and the next step and we do the next thing that God is calling us and we, we're obedient and we keep taking the next step until we fall into the arms of Jesus and we've taken as many people with us. And you know, I remember um, in 1997, I was an 11 year old. Some of you weren't even born in 1997. Some of you were 33, like I am now, in 1997. Um, and in 1997, I went to Spring Harvest with my church. And we went, um, me and, and the other guys in our youth group, there was only about 12 of us, but we went along to the youth provision 
at Spring Harvest. And in 1997, Delirious, uh, which was a Christian band, they released a song called History Maker. And that was the song of Spring Harvest 1997. And we spent the entire week singing it. Every talk, it felt like, was about going and being a history maker and going and being a speaker of truth to all mankind and going and making a difference in this world and living for Jesus. And we left Spring Harvest. We left Skegness and all of our cars were filled with the song, sound of Delirious. And we were all saying, we are going to be history makers in our land. We are going to be speakers of truth to all mankind. And you know, all these years later, it's only me and my sister from that youth group that are still following Jesus that I know of. And yet somehow we didn't finish the race. Somehow people fell out of the race. And for me as a youth pastor, the hardest thing for me to deal with as a youth pastor is knowing that young people that were once following Jesus aren't following him anymore. Young people that are 14 and 15 were living all out for Jesus. We're saying they were going to be history makers or whatever the songs of their time was called. And they were saying, I'm going to live all out for Jesus. And yet now I know that they're not. And they've stepped out of the race and they've given up on the race. They've not reached the end goal that they were reaching for. And that breaks my heart as a youth pastor. That's the hardest thing that I deal with is seeing young people fall away from their faith. And I want to talk tonight about finishing the race because the reason that we talk about finishing the race is that everybody lives forever somewhere and we want to reach the arms of Jesus and to take as many people with us as possible and what I want to do is is look at running um, and bring out four things that I think can help us to finish the race and keep uh, take as many people with us as possible and the first point is community you know when you run in community you run faster I've done one park run in my, in my life, um, and that time is the fastest time I've ever run because I was running with other people. Normally, when I go for a run, I go, I'm on my own. I've got my playlist in, and you know, I'm listening to all cheesy songs because they keep me going when I'm, when I'm struggling, and I'm, I'm focused on my own stride and my own uh, running. But when I went to a park run, there was other people there. And I felt spared on. I felt spared on by trying to beat other people. I'd see a fellow who was about four times my age and thinking, there is no way he's going to beat me. And, you know, I would, I, would, I would be spared on by the other people. And there was, there was people, like, waiting, the, the, the kind of park run stewards that were cheering us on the whole way. And in Hebrews there, it says, Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... And I used to think that that was like all the dead Christians in, in heaven go, Go on, auntie, go on, auntie. And actually, it's us in community. We can cheer each other on. We need to be encouraging each other. We need to be part of a community that spares each other on. You know, when, when I agree to run with other people, it gives me accountability. Like, I might agree with someone and say, right, at 6 o'clock, I'll meet you at this place, and we're going to run together. And I know full well that at 4 o'clock on Thursday, I'm going to be going, I don't want to do that. I just want to go home, you know, have a burger, like watch Netflix, maybe have a beer, like I just want to chill out. But I know if I've committed to meet that person and committed to run together, I'm going to honour that commitment and that holds me to account. And we need to be in community that holds each other to account. You know, I love that in some of, uh, some of, some of the uh, young people are starting to meet together. There's three lads who meet regularly together and they challenge each other. They run together, not literally, but they run their spiritual race together. And, you know, it's so great that, that one of them texts um, a, a group of people in his school who are Christians 
And he said, we're going to meet together and to pray in this classroom after school. And they met in that classroom and there were so many people that turned up is that they had to turn people away. It's incredible. And that's, that's because he's running in community. That He's got his mates cheering him on. He's got his mates saying, you can do this, mate. Come on. We believe in you. We want to encourage you. Connect groups are so, so important. I'm excited to be launching a new Connect group this month and being a part of that. And that's, that's what Connect groups are all about, being in community, running our races together. Do you know why? Because I say this to young people all the time, friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. Who you hang around with is who you are going to become like. And when we get in community with people who are running together, we get to encourage each other. We get to spur each other on. We get to determine the quality and the direction of each other's lives. You know, imagine what it was like for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they agreed that they were going to be the only ones that didn't bow down to the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. And when the music played, imagine what was going through their minds. Imagine Abednego going, oh, do you know, they, better, they better stay standing because if they don't, I'm going down to my knees. And Shadrach being like, no matter what happens, I'm standing up. And even if those two don't, I am going to do it. And then Meshach is maybe just, you know, hoping that the music doesn't play. He's like, please, Lord, just don't let the music play today. Not today. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then the music plays. And that moment where all their colleagues and everybody else drops to their knees. Imagine what it was like for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. As they looked across the room at each other. And, they, and Shadrach can see Meshach over in the distance. And he can see that he's still standing up. And he thinks, come on, Meshach, we can do it. And Abednego sees the other two. And he's like, right, we are doing this. And almost that sense as they stood looking over all of the, their colleagues' bodies. As they're all bowing before this statue. Them looking at each other and saying, we're doing this together. Come on, we are in community. Imagine what it was like for the disciples on the day of Pentecost when they're all in that upper room, terrified, and the Holy Spirit comes, and they begin to speak in languages, and they begin to preach the gospel, and Peter gets up, and he starts to share his faith and share who Jesus was, and Andrew's sitting there going, go on, Peter, you can do that. I'll tell you what, I'm going to have a go now, Peter's had a go. And then, you know, Bart's in the corner, and he's like, come on, boys, yes, we can do it. I'll tell you what, I've, I've got the tongue of Spanish, so I'm going to go, hola, and he's going to get involved and they all encourage each other and the Bible says that thousands came to know him because this group of people in community ran their race together they stepped forward and they said do you know what our, our, our aim is to get to the arms of Jesus once again and we're going to take as many people as, with us as possible and you know I love what Jeff Lucas said um, the other weekend when he was with us he talked about maybe some of us need to stop attending Life Central Church maybe some of us need to just stop attending and start belonging to a community. You know, we've got four options on a Sunday morning for you to attend. We have got four services. But Life Central is not a service for you to attend. It's a family for you to be a part of. It's a community for you to serve. Hagley being in the afternoon is not so you can have a lie-in on a Sunday morning. It's so that you can be part of a family and serve a community. You know, Life Central Youth is not just, and Life Central Kids is not just a thing that we put on so that you can have a date night with your husband or wife. It's a community to be a part of and a family to serve and a family to love. We want to be part of a community. You know, if you don't have that, maybe you could look for some people that you could be that for. You could look for some people that you can cheer on, that you can be in community with, that you can stand around and cheer them on, and maybe in time they'll begin to cheer you on as well. Community and connection is so vital for staying in the race and finishing the race. 
The second thing that I think that we need is rhythm. You know, all, all runners have a natural rhythm. All runners run at a natural pace. You know, some people are, are skinny uh, and, and lanky and have got long legs, and they'll run naturally fasters, faster than others. Others are slow and have a slower rhythm, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But, you know, all runners have a rhythm, and if you don't run at your rhythm, if you run slower than your natural rhythm, you're not actually working that hard. You're not actually burning off enough calories. I know the pace that I can run at to, to, to kind of generate enough in my body for me to feel like I've done a workout. If I say I'm going on a, on a 5K run and I walk the whole way, I'm not really working out. I'm not really going on a run. But in the same way, I know, I know the pace that's too fast for me. That if I, I know if I run at three, uh, th- do three minute kilometers, I am not going to make it to two kilometers because I am going to be struggling and I'm going to be vomiting in bushes all over again. And actually, every one of us has a rhythm and we, we have a pace that we can work at. And if you go too slow, you're not contributing. If you go too fast, you're going to burn out and you're going to give up. And, you know, we need to have a rhythm of rest. It is so, so important. Sweat Elite is a website where um, they share elite, uh, elite athletes' training regimes. And I read this about Bernard Legat. He said he takes five weeks completely off training every year. In an interview with Runners World, Legat says, I take five weeks off. I do nothing, just eating and playing with my kids. But Legat has the patience of a man who has been world-class since the 90s, who knows his process and knows his progress and has learned to be patient with it. He knows his pace and his rhythm. I never push myself feeling like I should be in shape right away, he asserts. I know I have time. And last week we were um, at a learning community in, in Peterborough and we heard Carrie Newoff speak and he talked about low-grade burnout. Low-grade burnout where the functions of life continue but the joy of life is gone. And that sense of you've been running beyond your rhythm, you've been running too fast and you're on that low-grade burnout, feeling like, do you know what, I can get on with life, I'm all right, I don't need to go to the doctors and and have time off, but I'm on low-grade burnout where the joy of life has gone. When was the last time you went out with friends and and laughed until your belly hurt? When was the last time that you hung out with somebody and, and five hours felt like five minutes? I know there's some people in my life that I spent five minutes with them and it feels like five hours. But, you know, that sense of rhythm and rest, making sure that we're resting and taking time out. There's also a rhythm of consistency. You know, if I don't consistently go for a run, I struggle when I start running again. Today, I really struggled going for a run and I was, re- I was, I was a mess when I got home. And, you know, that's because I haven't been for a run in six weeks. And you see, when, when you're not consistent in exercise and it gets harder and harder to get back into that rhythm. And it's the same with our relationship with God and investing in, in our own spiritual journey. You know, I find sometimes that I've, I've got into busyness, I've got into the hecticness of life and, and I've gone from Sunday to Sunday and event to event and this and this and this and suddenly I look back and I go, man, it's four weeks since I sat down and properly read the Bible for myself. And I need that rhythm of consistency in my life, that rhythm of constantly going back to God and saying, God, I need to meet with you. I need to pray. pray. I, need to, I need to spend time with you. 
You know, we, we talk so much about consistency in Life Central, and I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because the people who are consistent are here tonight. But, you know, consistency is so, so important, but not just in the input of, of your own life and your own spiritual walk, but a consistency of invitation. You know, the, the guys shared so brilliantly about it earlier, and I don't want to over-egg the pudding, but it's so important that we're consistently inviting because the more that you invite, the easier it gets. You know, it was, it was natural for Joe to just throw in, oh, why don't you come along to Easter? Here's a flyer, bang. It's because it's consistent in our life. You know, I've been inviting somebody to the productions for the last two years, and every time he's told me no, every time he said, I'm not available, I'm not available, I'm not available, I've already invited him to Easter, and he's already told me, I'm probably not available. But do you know what? I'm going to keep consistently inviting him. I consistently invite my brother-in-law, who's not a Christian yet, and, you know, he often turns me down. He came a couple of years ago to Christmas, but, you know, he keeps turning me down, and I can't really invite him on Easter Sunday this year because it's my mum's 60th birthday on that day, and I'm the one letting the family down because I'm not there, but I'll be there um, on the Monday. But, you know, I want, I want to consistently be inviting people in my life, and not just when it comes round to the to the productions, but regularly dropping it into conversation when you're having conversation with people and ask, people asking you what you did at the weekend, having that consistency and that rhythm of invitation and saying, hey, why don't you come and check it out for yourself? Hey, here's the podcast. Why don't you have a listen? Hey, here's the YouTube video. Why don't you have a listen to that? And making it a consistent part of your, your rhythm. You see, if we're going um, to finish the race, if we're going to get into the arms of Jesus and take as many people with us as possible, We've got to have rhythm. We've got to have that consistency. The third point is we need perspective. When I'm struggling, when I hit the wall in a, in, in, on a run and all I'm thinking about is how tired I am and how exhausted, I try and shift my perspective. I shift my perspective from, from my tired legs, from my, my heavy breathing. I try and shift my perspective to what I'm looking forward to that night. It might be a hot bath. It might be the nice meal that I'm going to have when I get home. It might be an event that I'm looking forward to or, or time with friends. I begin to shift my thinking. I maybe even sometimes if it gets really bad, I start to pray and say, Lord, just get me through this, please. But I shift my perspective and I remind myself that this run is only going to last half an hour. Um, it's only going to last a short amount of time. And it, at some point, it will be over. At some point, I will get home. At some point, this race will finish. And I try and shift my perspective. I remind myself that it's only temporary. And sometimes when we're in, when, when we're in the midst of circumstance, we need a change of perspective. There's this great story in 2 Kings chapter 6 where the Israelites find themselves surrounded by an army and, and Elisha um, is kind of in the midst of it and a servant comes and speaks to him and it's going to come up on the screen here. It says, when the servant of the man of God, which is Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city that they were in. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he might see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see the words of that song that we were singing um, and that we may well sing later on. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. 
that shift of perspective for Elisha and his servant, that shift to go, what I'm seeing is I'm surrounded by this army that's coming to get me. God, would you shift my perspective so I can see where you're at work? You know, so often we pray, God, would you change my circumstances? Would you shift what's going on? And yes, we need to pray those things. But sometimes God wants to shift our circumstances. That we don't pray stuff away, but we pray for a way through our circumstances. You know, Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We need to shift our perspective. You know, I think... So many people fall out the race and drop out the race and, and don't make it to the end because they lose perspective. They hit things and they, and they begin to, to focus on the thing that is the blockage rather than the thing that is beyond the blockage. And they lose their perspective. You know, understanding what God is saying in a season is so, so important. When we see as God sees, we'll do as God says. And when we understand his perspective... We can understand the way through those circumstances. We can understand what he is doing. You see, I need perspective if I'm going to finish the race. Because there's times where I've been frustrated and needed to see what God sees rather than what I'm seeing. Maybe tonight God wants to shift your perspective. That's why um, in one of the songs that, that we sing here, Fall, we sing, my eyes above what it looks like, my faith beyond what it feels like. It's a shift in perspective. The final point is uh, resilience. The final thing that I think we need if we're going to get to the arms of Jesus and take as many people with us is resilience. And if the band want to head back up, that would be great. Um, resilience is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. And, you know, all runners have that moment where they hit the wall. They talk about, you know, running a marathon, you tend to hit the wall around about the 20th mile. That point where you think, I can't go on anymore. That point where you think, I'm going to give up. That point where you think, your legs won't carry you anymore. And in Romans 5, verse 3 to 4, it says this, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. We glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance. It produces resilience. And that builds our character and gives hope to those around us. You know, the best and probably the only way to build resilience is to be stretched, is to go through some stuff. I remember a few years ago, Paul and Priscilla Reed were here for the weekend. It was before the days of Igrow. And um, in the middle of their talk, Priscilla stopped and she pointed at me. And she said, Andy, I feel like the Lord showed me something while we were worshipping. She said, as we were worshipping, I saw your shoulders get bigger. And I thought, yes, a prophetic word about me getting hench. And she said, she said, Andy, I think what the Lord wants to do is he wants to grow your capacity. He wants to stretch you. He wants to give you an ability to carry more. He wants to give you the ability to carry more weight and increase your capacity. And I was scribbling it down and I'm thinking, brilliant. God's going to make me a more influential leader. God's going to grow my capacity. God's going to do stuff in me and new stuff. And I was excited about it. But you know, the next few years were tough. Really tough. There was times where I wanted to quit. There was times where I wanted to give up and go home. You know, there was a season where I made some pretty big mistakes. 
and I had to face the reality of the mistakes that I'd made in that season. There's stuff going on in the youth ministry that I found really tough, that I would regularly go home and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I give up. There was times where I texted my mates and said, in six months' time, I'm gone. But the other side of that, I see what God was doing. I see that God was building resilience in me. And God was building my character. And God was growing my muscles to carry more weight and increase my capacity. I'm still waiting for him to make me hench, but that's going to come one day, I'm sure. But, you know, in that season, God was growing me. But it wasn't in a way that I wanted. It wasn't in a downloadable app. It was through the season that I was in. You see, resilience comes when we go through stuff. And, you know, living life, we will all have hard times. We will all have stuff where we need to face um, some difficult times. And, you know, Carrie knew off last week. He talked about when we face challenges, we have four options. The first option is to quit, to give up. And I know so many people, so many Christians, who, when life has got tough, they've just quit. And gone, I don't believe in this God nonsense anymore. And can I be honest, I've sat with young people in McDonald's across the table from them and thought, I get why you want to quit. And if I was you, I would probably feel the same. And often we get to that point where we just want to give up. The second option is to fail, like morally fail. Carrie Newoff shared about how he he went through a, a, a burnout and he said in that season, all he knew is what he had to do was he had to not quit and not cheat on his wife. That was all he knew he had to do. And you see, when we go through really difficult circumstances, we can be faced with options to fail, to turn to the wrong things, to make the wrong decisions, to choose the easy wrong over the hard right. The third option is to just stay, to just become stagnant, to go through the motions, to go on autopilot, to turn up to church and say hello to people, do the shake your hand moment at the start of the service and put your hands up when Dan tells you to put your hands up and listen to the talk and nod and make some notes and then go home again and it not mean anything. And almost that sense of feeling leaves you. Or the fourth option is to thrive to believe that the best is yet to come to not become cynical but to see that God is the hope for our world to see um, see life for what it really is but keep our hearts fully engaged you know as a youth leader there's so many times where where I've seen young people fall away where stuff hasn't gone according to plan where, where things have turned in the way that I didn't want them to and I've thought to myself right not never again I'm not investing in another young person like that because that really hurt that time. And what I need to do as a leader is come before God and come before the people that I'm called to lead and go, here's my heart again. And peel back the hard layers that I've put there to protect myself and come to God with an open and soft heart and say, I'm ready to be brokenhearted again. I'm ready to be vulnerable again. That's what resilience is. And you know what, as we were worshipping and as, as I was praying, you know, I felt, I felt God say that resilience runs in the DNA of Life Central Church. 
we are a church that is resilient. When I think back to the fire, resilience came through. Resilience shone through and I, I see, see people's circumstances and the, and the things that people are facing and I think, man, you are so resilient. And if we are going to get to the arms of Jesus and take as many people with us, we need resilience. We need community. We need rhythm. We need to get to the arms of Jesus and take as many people with us. Our goal is to finish the race. But not only those things, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. In Zechariah 4, it says, not by power, not by my, but by your spirit, says the Lord. If we are going to run this race with everything that we've got, if we're going to get to the end and finish and fall into the arms of Jesus and take in as many people as possible with us, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I'd like us to do is the, the band are going to lead us in a song called Fall and the, the, the song talks about, about let the weight of heaven fall on us. Let the, the, let the Holy Spirit come and fill us. It talks about my eyes above what it feels like, my faith above what it looks like. And then it talks about in the bridge, it says something's changing, I can feel it. Something's breaking in the spirit. I want us to sing this song together as family, as community. And then we're going to see what God might want to do in the, in the bit of time that we've got left. And maybe respond and pray for some people. But I want to invite you guys to stand to your feet. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to just come and move now. Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Would you fall in this place? It's not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now, as we sing, as we respond, would you deposit something in us that helps us run the race, that helps to run in such a way to get the prize. Jesus, I pray that we will be a people that get into your arms and take as many people with us. So Holy Spirit, would you come?